This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Now, this is our GPS series. I believe that this is what God desires for every one of us as believers to, number one, be a giver. Those were the last couple of weeks to also pray and also serve. Those will change your life. Now, understand when we talk about prayer here today, prayer is not a punishment. Prayer is a privilege. It's an honor, and it's the way we as human beings, we connect our hearts right here on earth with Father God's heart right there in heaven. So it's a partnership. Now, I want you to think about this as far as prayer. Is your prayer life more like a steering wheel, or is your prayer life more like a spare tire? Now, think about this. When you drive a car, you know, you're supposed to have two hands on the wheel, but you got your hands on that steering wheel. And some of you may be gifted enough to drive with one hand, and some of you may be gifted enough where you drive with one finger, and some of you that are talented enough to eat and talk on your cell phone at the same time You may be able to drive with your knee, but you still have something on that steering wheel. Where we talk about a spare tire, the only time you use a spare tire is in the case of an emergency. And so it's when you have a blowout, and oftentimes when we have blowouts in life, we call out to God and say, help us, help us. I believe just as the guy in the video talked about, prayer ought to be an everyday deal. So we begin in Luke chapter 11. Verse number 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Now this is talking about Jesus. And it's interesting that Jesus himself, while he was on this earth, he thought that prayer was so significant that he took time to pray himself. And so here he is, he's praying in this, this place. And it said, and when he had ceased, then one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so I believe this is part of our our question, our, our heart today. Father God, teach me to pray. Show me what to do. And then very next, Jesus said, so he said to them, when you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. Now, the next uh, a few verses literally are what's defined as the Lord's Prayer. You can find it again in Matthew 6. But when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer was meant to be a guideline. It wasn't meant to be some rigid ritual, you know, that we do and it's all just stinking religious. No, it was just the guideline for us to come to the Lord and pour out our hearts. Now, I'm not going to talk about it today, so jump with me to verse 9, the same chapter. So I say to you, this is Jesus Ask, and you will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, everyone, for everyone who also who asks also receives, and who seeks finds, and to him knocks, it will be opened. Now, the literal Greek meaning with pray, ask, or knock, and seek, it literally denotes a continuous. So it's if the Lord Jesus was telling me and you, to continually to ask, to pray, to knock, to seek, all those things. And in a certain way, it was Jesus telling me and you that when we pray, we must learn to be persistent, a perseverance. We're going to have to learn to persevere and we're going to have to learn to stand because often 
we pray for a day. We pray for an hour or so. And when things don't happen immediately, we want to quit. But prayer is a big deal to God. And we've got to get this on the inside of us. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And this is the passage that talks about putting on the whole armor of God. One part of the armor is to pray. Why is it so important that we pray? Well, in 1 Peter 5, chapter 8, 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is continually wanting to devour you. In any, any part of you, your marriage, your kids, anything it is. Actually, John 10, 10 says, The thief, the devil, comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. So if part of my armor is to pray, that tells me that it's a spiritual weapon. You don't have spiritual victories using physical weapons. The only way I walk in spiritual victory is with my spiritual weapons. One is prayer. That's why it's such a privilege to pray. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Now, brethren would be defined as Christians. Ones that are born again. Ones that love Jesus. Now, he didn't say, finally, all you pastors. He said, finally, brethren, the body of Christ. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, you, you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the ambushes of the devil. So he comes back to this real quick and he's, he's informing me and you that the reason we put this armor on is because you and me and the people that are ne sitting next to you, we're going to have to learn to stand against the enemy. It didn't say pastors. It didn't say youth pastors. It didn't say people that think. It just said you. Who was the you that he was referring to? Brethren. So if you're born again, that's every one of us. We've got to get this. We've got to learn to pray. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. See, it's not a physical deal. Now, note the description of what he's getting ready to talk about here. But against principalities. Against powers. Against rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So the battle isn't against people, it's not against any of us. It's against all these that he talked about. Now at the end of verse 11, he said against the devil. Verse 12, what it's talking about is all these fallen angels, which are just the, the stinking devil's buddies. That's who this is talking about. And so when we begin to read here about what he's all talking about, these demonic spirits, and that's why I wanted to highlight the different words, powers, rulers, Spiritual host of wickedness. So you begin to get a, a kind of an insight that even in the, the devil's kingdom, his forces kind of are in rank. And some of these demons are literally over whole regions, nations. Some of them are over territorial areas. Now listen real close to what I'm going to say. There are demonic forces that are assigned against your family. There are demonic forces that are assigned 
against you individually. So he's informing me and you of all this that number one, I gotta learn what my, my armor is, but number two, I gotta learn how to use it. Because if I don't, this is what's gonna happen with the devil. He wants to devour. Now I'm not, I'm not speaking to us where we get devil focused and devil dominated. That's not what I'm saying to do. Look here, I'm, I'm gonna read two more verses in this. Look at verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith which you, with which you will be able to quench all, A-L-L, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So he's telling me that as a believer, when I start understanding my authority and, and my armor, that he's going to throw darts at us. He's throwing them at you right now, but he's telling me and you that everything that he throws at me, I can quench that. Now note here, he said you. And it's if the apostle Paul was saying, You've been given authority. You've been given power to stand against this. Same chapter, verse 18. Praying always. Not just in emergencies. Not when I feel bad, but praying always with all prayer and supplication. Now, when he's talking about this, prayer is by a means which we engage the battle itself. Actually, prayer is the battle. When we get over and actually look at this, and he says, always pray in the Spirit, be watchful to this end with all perseverance. In other words, part of praying here, guys, is I'm going to have to learn to persevere. When, when, when it gets tough, I don't quit. When the obstacles seem so difficult, I don't quit. When it seems, I don't quit. With all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we begin to get a little insight right here of, of what we're going to have to do to pray. Part of this is learning to stand. Just to continue to say, you know what? I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray. Continuously. Go to the book of Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. Now as you're turning to Daniel 10, remember this, that, that praying is a battle position. You say, where's Daniel? Well, if we go to the major books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. Daniel 10. Now, when we were in the fast a few weeks ago, this was one of our main texts. We're going to come back to it, but because it's so good. So as you're trying to find Daniel 10, think about this, that anybody good, whether it's a college athlete or pro athlete, if he's good at basketball, baseball, or golf, it's because he's, he's used his time to, to develop that, that talent. In other words, you're not going to make 50 out of 50 free throws the first time you start picking up the ball. What do they do? Day after day after day, they go and they start working to, to develop that gift and talent. Well, it's the same with prayer. Day by day by day, we begin to do that. But think about this, that you see pro athletes in, in all these sports that at times they get into a slump. And when a pro athlete gets in a slump, you know what he does to get out of that? The pro baseball player will show up early to the, the ballpark. You know why? So he can take extra batting practice. And it's like, I gotta get some more swings and I got and so what they try to do is find that rhythm or what's wrong with them. Same as a golfer. But see, even in prayer, every one of us in here are gonna have to learn to pray. There's a starting point for every one of us. If you've never prayed before, don't let this intimidate you. Say, man, Lord, I want to learn to get to this place in my life. But number two. 
if you've known how to pray and you're in a slump right now, man, start taking some extra batting practice. Start praying and say, Father God, anoint me again to come into your presence. Daniel 10, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. Daniel is in this position right here. He's on his knees and he's on the palms of his hands just like this. And as he's in this battle, uh, battle position praying, this angel shows up and touches him. Verse 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then the angel spoke to Daniel and said, Do not fear, Daniel, from, from, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before the Lord God. One translation literally says, from the very first day that you started praying. From the very first day that you started praying, look what he goes on to say. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So this angel, he, he tells him, the reason I've come is because of your prayers. The reason I was dispatched here on the earth was because of your prayers. In other words, when this man named Daniel started praying, his prayers got heaven's attention. And I look at that and I think, so if it got Daniel's attention, when you and me pray, I'm going to tell you, we've been told over and over there in Ephesians, to pray, to pray, to pray. Jesus said to pray. And so we can learn some things right here from what he did. So we jump to verse 13. But it says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, I, I want you to highlight that just a little bit in your thoughts here. But the king of the prince of Persia, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Remember some of the definitions that we saw in Ephesians 6.12, it talked about this right here. Now, when I read this, this fallen angel, this demon here, was the prince of the kingdom of Persia. You know what this tells me, I believe? This was a territorial demon. This was a demon that ruled this whole area. Big, big, big in the, demon, in the devil's kingdom is what I think we need to hear here. And then he said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, I believe Daniel personally, he didn't pray just one day. During this whole 21 days he was praying. And the reason I can tell you that, if you go back and study Daniel's life, it said that Daniel was disciplined to pray morning, noon, and night. So Daniel understood what it meant to persevere. So when Daniel began to pray, he just kept praying. He kept praying because our job is to pray. God's job is to answer the prayer. I can't do that and you can't do that. So Daniel keeps praying, but he gives us insight here that this demonic prince, this territorial demon withstood him or opposed him or tried to hinder the will of God right here on the earth for 21 days. So in your life and my life, understand, the devil will try to hinder your prayers. The devil will try to bring opposition against you. But in Daniel's own life here, 
Not only did he pray, he was faithful to keep on praying. And not only did he keep on praying, he persevered. And because this man did this, it changed the nation of Israel. It changed the Jewish people right there. Same chapter. Jump down with me to verse 20. Then the angel said to me, Do you know why I have come to you? And then look how he answers this question. And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. So this angel is telling Daniel, the reason I came is because of your prayers. But because of your prayers, I've been assigned to battle these demonic entities, these fallen angels, for your behalf. Now, remember this about prayer. Prayer's not for God's benefit. It's for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Look how he ends in verse 21. But I will tell you what is, what is noted in the Scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And so this angel is basically telling Daniel, you know who upholds you? This other angel, this archangel named Michael, your prince. Did you know every one of us in this room, we have a prince? And we sang about him today. And his name is the Prince of Peace. He's the name Jesus, the Lord and Savior. And so the, the, the very things that he highlighted here about Daniel, it's the same for every one of us in here. And you and me, guys, we can pray in the name of Jesus. And that's one of the big things we learn to do. When we go to the Lord before, in prayer, we say, Father God, I come in the name of Jesus. You know why Jesus' name is so incredible? Colossians 2.10 says, He is the head of all principality and power. Jesus is. Colossians 2.15 says He's disarmed them. So what that means is Jesus stripped their authority. So a lot of people would say, Well, if Jesus took all their authority, then you and me, all we got to do is kick back and sing Kumbaya. I'm going to go ahead and tie my shoe while I'm here. So we just sit back and we sing Kumbaya and say, you know what, if Jesus stripped him of all the authority, I don't have to do anything. But that's not true. Jesus said, listen, I've given you authority. I want you to use what I've done. Now, to dig in this a little farther, you've got to go with me the book of Titus. And some of you say, man, you are putting us through Bible biz today. Where's Titus? Uh, you go to the Thessalonians, then right after Timothy, if you've gone to Hebrews, you've gone too far. It's just a little bitty book. Titus chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, don't, don't view God as a 911 God. In other words, the only time I ever call out to God is when I need help. Oh, God, bail me out today. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that's biblical at all, and I don't believe God appreciates that. And And... If this offends you, that's okay. I'll repent it to you to your face. Don't treat God like a sugar daddy, okay? God loves to hang out with you daily. He loves to, you to come before Him. Titus, chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many insubordinate, disorderly, or rebellious, both idle talkers and deceivers. Now the definition of the idle talkers is literally useless. And the reason they were useless is it defines 
an undisciplined life. Now, when I think about those words right there, remember what we said a minute ago about Daniel? This was a man who disciplined himself to pray three times a day. In this situation, he says, they're, they're idle talkers, they're useless, especially those of the circumcisions, whose mouths must be stopped or silenced, who subvert or turn whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of, of dishonest gain. So what he's talking about here, there's people that come into the church or people that get around the believers, and their whole goal is for greed. It's for money. And he's saying that thing's wrong. Verse 12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts are cruel, lazy gluttons. I want to read this verse again. One of them, so he was a Cretan. This guy himself was a Cretan. It says, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So let, let's, let's term this in our society to this day. Italians are liars, cruel, lazy gluttons. Germans are. You know Russians. You, you know Japanese. They're just liars. They're... Now let's dig in here a little deeper. You know, all white people are just a bunch of liars. You know those black people and those brown people and those swirl people? They're just this... this. Now, what you begin to see in this, whether you want to believe this or not, right here in the Bible, when this guy comes out and said, Cretans are all blanket, blah, 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 I'll fill in the blank what he said. This was literally an ethnic slur. Wow. Right here in the Bible. Now, look what goes on to talk about here. Verse 13. This testimony is true. In other words, what this Cretan prophet said about them, it was true. They were all a bunch of liars. Cruel, lazy butts, and gluttons. Sorry. Not really. Keep reading. Rebuke them sharply. Deal with them sternly, even severely. Now, he didn't say to deal with them sharply or rebuke them to be ugly to them, to pop them. No, that wasn't his goal. Look why he was told to do that. That they may be sound in the faith. So what he was told to do there was say, listen, guys. You don't have to be a bunch of liars. You don't have to be lazy. Now, this is what is really interesting about this whole passage right here that got my, my attention. When this man said that the Cretans were all liars, he termed a word that was called to Cretanize. And the word Cretanize literally meant, you liars. Now, what ultimately took place here, this was one of those demons that ruled over this whole territory. How do I know that? Because when the Apostle Paul quoted this right here, he quoted a poem from this guy who was a poet, a philosopher, and the very prophet, and his name was Epimenides. Epimenides, he said this thing about the Cretans 600 years before Paul ever spoke this. So you know what had been going on for 600 years? These people had been told... All Christians are, you're a bunch of liars. You're cruel, you're lazy, and you're gluttons. So what begins to happen? This demon who's over them, I believe, he suppresses them. 
It's like a cloud that hangs over these people, and it hangs over and hangs over them. Now think about the Middle East right now. Man, the stuff that goes on in the Middle East, that stuff's gone on there forever. You know what I believe is happening? I believe it's, it's demonic forces. And there's stuff in the United States. I mean, our nation is well over 200 years old, but there's stuff that's happened in our nation over and over and over again. The reason I want to highlight that is when stuff started happening in Daniel's nation, what did Daniel do? Daniel began to pray, and he began to stand, and he not only fought for his nation, but he teaches us what all we're supposed to do. We're to start fighting. So in this sense here, there were territorial demons that tried to dominate that country and to denominate those people. Now, there's also what we call familiar spirits. And familiar spirits are ones that I believe are assigned to your life or your family's life. They study you, they watch you, they know your tendencies, they know your behaviors. So literally we could say these familiar spirits are very familiar with your family bloodline or more so generationally. So oftentimes when we start seeing things repeated in our life, it's generational. Now, think here for every one of us. Don't look around and say, man... This person, David Burns, he really needs to hear this today. Now, think about this for your life. If you go back and you look at your bloodline, think about all the males in your bloodline. And is there a tendency that leads the males in your bloodline to to gravitate towards something that is dark, evil, or even a curse? So you could come back and say, all the males in my bloodline, man, they're, they're angry. They're a bunch of liars. They're a bunch of adulterers. I'm just throwing this stuff out, okay? So you begin to think about it. Now think about all the women in your bloodline. Is there something that has dominated the women in your family's bloodline? They're all a bunch of da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, uh, I'll be careful of the words I use. Think about it. Now, I will tell you in this room right here, there's no perfect bloodline, okay? If you go back and look at Jesus' bloodline, you know who's in Jesus' bloodline? Prostitutes, Rahab. I mean, even in Jesus' bloodline. So in every one of our bloodlines, none of us are right. None of us are perfect. But you go back and you think about all the marriages in your bloodline. Is there something that comes after the marriages? So when you begin to look at all this, is there a cloud, a familiar spirit that is literally trying to dominate your own family line? So this goes back to even what we talked about in Ephesians 6 when Jesus warned us through the Apostle Paul and said, these principalities and powers, these rulers of darkness are going to come after you. The question isn't, am I going to be opposed? The question is, am I going to pray? Am I going to stand? And so Jesus himself, he said this in Matthew 16, 18. He said that, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. The literal Greek translation says, the powers of hell won't prevail against my church. You know who the church is? The church isn't this building. The church is me and you. And Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So we can all just sit back again and sing kumbaya and everything's going to be good. The gates of hell won't prevail. Woohoo! That's a great thought. But if that happens and you sit back like that, 
understand you've surrendered to a certain degree and the devil wants to devour. He wants to devour. Now, I'm going I'm to come back to, to Matthew 16. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 5, it said that the, the iniquities of the fathers come to the children to the third and fourth generation. What does that mean? Well, in, in my line, if I'm the last right now, the iniquities of my father, the iniquities of my grandfather, the iniquities of the great-grandfather, they come back to me. In my own bloodline, how it's alive right now, it would be my father, me, my grandson, and my great-grandson. So ultimately what's got to happen when, when, when there's iniquities involved, those are sins that have been around a long time. If they've been around a long time, there's probably devils that are clouding your family's life. So what do we do, Pastor? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says that we are to repent of the sins of our fathers. Uh, Jeremiah 14, 20 says we are to repent of the sins of our fathers. So oftentimes when I would le- read that, I would say, why do I have to repent of the sins of my father? You know why? Because those sins have never been repented of. And when sins are never being repented of, now they're no longer sins. They become iniquities. And when iniquities start happening, we, we begin to gravitate toward that. We have a tendency to go in that direction. So when you look at your bloodline, your family bloodline, oftentimes when you see this is happening, this happening, we got to go in there and we got to repent. And we say, Father God, I, I repent of all this. I, I repent of drunkenness in my family. I repent of this. Now, not only is it repenting, then you know what I got to do? I got to change. I got to start doing the opposite. So just like the Cretans, if you're a bunch of liars, then man, we got to not only repent, we got to start telling the truth. If, if, if I'm a bunch of lazy butts, then you know what? I got to get busy. If I'm, if, if I'm uh, rebellious, then I got to learn to do the opposite. If I'm full of, of greed, then I got to be generous. If I'm full of pride, then I got to say, Lord, help me to start being, being uh, humil- humble or under humility. And so you begin to see all this. This is why part of prayer is so powerful. So now we jump to Matthew 16, 19. When Jesus said in verse 18, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Uh, Matthew 16, 19 says, and I give you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't say I give pastors the key of the kingdom. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And you know, when he gives you the keys, you know what that means? You're in charge. Now this is what the Lord Jesus said. I give you the keys of the kingdom. And in that same verse he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That word bind literally means to forbid. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word loose means what you permit. So he's saying, here's the keys. So not only do we go back and we repent of our sins, we begin to exercise our authority in the name of Jesus, and we say, you You spirit of lying in the name of Jesus. You will not dominate me no more. You will not dominate my bloodline. You will not dominate my children. Now, I will tell you about this with generational curses. Don't plead the fifth and say, it's my daddy's fault. You do that junk, you're gutless, okay? That's sorry. 
You know what? The same opportunity they had to repent and stop that, they could have. But you have the same opportunity. Don't go through life with a crutch and say, Well, if my mama wouldn't have done this, rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up. I told you it's going to be good today. It's going to be good. See, you're not talking about to someone who hadn't battled junk, guys. Stuff in my own line, but I realize, you know what? I'm going to learn to pray, and I'm going to learn to stand. So now we go to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. I'm getting close to being done, maybe. Man, I'm, all, I'm wired up today. Man, Pastor, you're preaching so good today. They ought to give you a raise. You're doing so good. No, that's not true. You guys are good to me. I thank you guys. You guys take care of me, and I appreciate it. Bless you. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't get bogged down. Don't get stressed out for nothing. Why? But in everything, everything, by prayer and supplications, make your requests made known to God. Woo! I tell you right there are some nuggets. So what ultimately happens? I'm either, I'm either going to get where I'm, I'm anxious or I'm going to pray. And the word supplication right here, it literally means not just the petition, but it means to pray with an intensity and extended prayer. Once again, it tells me, I'm going to have to stand. And if I've got to stand 21 days, I'm going to stand 21 days. If I gotta stand three years, then I'm gonna stand you three years. I'm just gonna continue to pray. So in, in Philipp, not Philippians, 1 Peter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your care upon the Lord. Cast all your care upon the Lord. A lot of this cross-reference, it just goes back and forth through the Bible. Uh, cast all your care upon the Lord. So this is what it looks like. I come to Father God with, in prayer, and I say, Okay, Father God, I've prayed about this, and, and I'm gonna cast my burden on you. And so we lay it at His feet, and we say, There you go, Father God, I've cast it at your feet. I've laid my burden at your feet. There it is, Father God. Excuse me, there it is. Father God, here it is, I've laid it. But when things don't change on my timetable, they don't change on your timetable, this is what we do. It's kind of like a backpack. And we pick it up and we start walking around again with it like this. See, it's not praying when you pray and pick the burden back up. If you pray and pick the burden back up, you didn't pray. All you had was a a glorified griping session, complaining. That's all you did. To pray is to say, okay, Father God, I'm going to pray. My job is to pray. Your job is to do it. And so I pray. I cast my care upon him and say, you know what, Lord? I'm not picking that junk back up. Thank you, Father God, you're working on my behalf. I thank you today. I pray again. I thank you, Father God. You're bringing me into victory. I thank you, Father God. Now, we'll end with this one. You guys are really good. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. You know, I had some in the first service after it was over. They said, Pastor, you act like you were having fun today. I'm having a ball. I'm telling you, Friday morning, me and Shelly were out for a walk. And I told her, I said, dear, I I need to get back to Lubbock. I need to preach. I said, stuff has swelled up on the inside. I I was like a kid this morning. I I couldn't wait to get into the house of God because this is one of the things that that I believe we're going to talk on a little deeper. Many of you in this room 
are are first-time generational Christians. How many in this room, you you don't have any people within your family bloodlines that's ever been a Christian that you're aware of? Raise your hand. I want to see them. Wow, see? And so understand this. This is one of the reasons I'm talking on this because you know what God's saying? I want you to be a generational history maker. I want you to be the blessing where, where so many times our family has released the curse without knowing it. You know, the Lord said my people perish for lack of knowledge. My people perish for being ignorant. But when we start understanding the things of God and understand, I can pray, I can change these things. I'm going to tell you, you guys are going to bring blessings into your bloodline. Psalm 55, now this is good. Woo, S-O-G-O-O-D, good. Verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. You know where this verse is cross-referenced to? 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Throw your burden upon the Lord. Actually, throw it at Him. Fling it at Him. And the very next word is the verse, and. This is one of the greatest ands in the Bible. And He shall sustain you. The word sustain right here means He will protect you, He will support you, He will defend you. He shall never permit the righteous to be removed, to slip, to fall, or to fail. Now, I don't know about you. I like the thought that he's going to sustain me. I like the thought that I'm not going to be moved by the things in life. But it only happens when I cast my burden upon him. When I cast the fear and say, here, Lord. See, part of the issue becomes a thing of pride. That Many times as human beings we say, I don't need God. I can figure it out on my own. Wrong. We can't. And it's part of humility to say, Father God, I I repent for all the times of my life. I've tried to figure everything out of my own abilities. Right now, I'm just going to cast it upon you. I'm going to allow you to go to work in me. I'm going to allow you to start moving in my family unlike any other time. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.